Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Tonight, I just have some truth to share with you tonight. Uh, let, me, uh, let me preface what I'm going to say tonight by walking in a little dangerous territory, perhaps, for some people. Uh, not, not, uh, not for us, I don't think, but, uh, you know, you can be extreme in anything, uh, but the reason that you um, say what you say, believe what you believe, do what you do, often uh, um, sets the tone of what should be understood. And so allow me to say this, and, and do your best to understand me. Listen, understanding me is bad enough. If you happen to misunderstand me, it'll be horrible, okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay? I mean, understanding me is to get up on that razor edge and walk that razor edge of, 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 of you know, uh, what, do I, what do I believe? How do I fit this into my life? Because I know on Wednesday nights I can be a little direct and sometimes even a little controversial, uh, but, uh, controversial, but uh, it, it's, it's nonetheless truth that we seek in order to set uh, our captive hearts free. And so... Um, I, I believe that women have gotten a bad rap in life, in the world, and even in many places concerning religion. You know, women are, uh, in fact, the most unreached people group in the world are Muslim women because it takes a woman and, uh, you know, uh, someone who has uh, uh, entrance into the Islamic world to even reach uh, a Muslim woman because they are, they are very segregated. And uh, women not only in, 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 in the Islamic world, but also women in the Christian world, all over the world. Women in, uh, in, uh, in many religions have really gotten a bad rap. They have really uh, uh, gotten uh, uh, many times relegated to second-class citizenship, even in many governments, you know, uh, uh, things even in the United States of America, you know, it, it wasn't that many years ago uh, when women could not vote uh, or, or, you know, were, were, were just, um, again, second-class citizens without the same rights as men without the same opportunities. I know that we have uh, come a long way, but I do believe we still have a long way to go, especially on the worldwide uh, scale. In many countries of the world, uh, women are a little more than chattel, a little more than property to be bought, sold, traded, to be bartered for. Uh, to be owned, to be enslaved, uh, whether it's in the home of, uh, of a parent or in the home of, uh, uh, of, of a husband or, or even an elder son in many situations. It is a very uh, horrible tragedy, and I don't think that God ever intended it. I don't think that he meant it. And God, in his infinite wisdom, has, uh, has placed in his word, so many uh, um, women who are examples of, of powerful decision-making, you know, uh, risk-taking, um, leader, um, prophetic, strong. And I know we don't make enough of that, and I'm not trying to make it an issue uh, because issues are not often, uh, you know, Pointing at issues often change nothing. Do you know you can view injustice 
from the big picture. We can say that um, age discrimination, race, pre racial prejudice, uh, gender discrimination, we can say that these things are horrible in a big picture. We can look at a big picture and say that it is wrong that people are, are judged by uh, you know, uh, 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 their, their economic level uh, or, or, or by their jobs or by, their, uh, you know, uh, by, by whatever. We can look at the big picture and see the injustice in the world, but you can never fix something in the big picture. And to continue talking about the big picture won't help it. It often just stirs the pot and makes people very upset at something that they cannot fix. Uh, very, uh, very uh, feeling very, uh, um, um, uh, um, feeling without power to address something. Because even though you can view racial prejudice in the big picture and understand that it is a reality, it is the truth. Nonetheless, in order to address it and fix it, it has to be addressed in the small picture. Individuals have to change their minds. Individuals have to change their minds about things because it only, you, you can only fix something on a one-to-one -one basis. You can only fix something in your life. You cannot fix America unless you can fix you first. You cannot fix your family unless you can fix you first. You cannot fix your workplace unless you can fix you first. You can't fix your marriage unless you can fix you first. You have to fix you first. You cannot change a generation just by talking about it. You actually have to work on it on a personal level, and then you begin to uh, model that and typify that, you begin to change the scales by influencing and affecting those around you, those who will listen to you and those that you can convince. Instead of talking to a world that you can't convince, uh, you, you can talk to people that you can convince. And uh, it's important that we understand that God has painted a, a, a greater picture in the Word of God of women than what we uh, perhaps have embraced historically uh, in Christianity, uh, in the preaching of the Word of God in many, uh, in many seasons, in many generations, in some denominations. Uh, it is important that we open up the Word tonight. And tonight it's my hope that we can discover the wonderful world of women. That's my title tonight. Look at that. The wonderful world of women. Pastor Ron Hammonds. Look, the wonderful Pastor Ron Hammonds. Uh, we could have left my name off of that one, Jessica. No, that's, that's all right. What a wonderful woman. Yeah. You know, most of the things done in life are done by women. By the way, I, I, I found something out this week that I have not heard before. But when you go to a wedding and you want to know which side the bride and the groom are on. You ever, you ever wonder if I'm on the bride's side or the groom's side? You ever know that? Uh, I, I heard uh, Miss Vicki Bauer say uh, this week, and she, uh, she exclaimed, uh, she, she gave a qualification and she, uh, b before she said it. She said, but just remember men are always right. Okay. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, now you can remember. You'll never forget which side you're sitting on, okay? The right or the left, because men are always right. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, uh, the wonderful world of women. 
Listen to this scripture in Judges chapter 5, verse 25. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love to just sit and think about it, and uh, I wish you would think about it a little more this week, okay? He asked for water. She gave him milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. <laughs> wow. That, that tells it all. That, boy, that is amazing. Amazing. He asked for water. She gave him milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. We'll get to that in just a moment. Tonight, uh, I would like to offer five women in the Bible that I believe uh, uh, are, are, are examples of what uh, we should lift women up to be in our world. God could write anything he wanted in these words that he gave us in this word. But uh, today, I had a difficult time narrowing it down to five. I was trying to get three that I could share tonight. And I, I had so many that I had to spend hours trying to narrow it down. And, and I finally just started striking a list, and I just left five on there. And so tonight, our first woman in the Bible, the wonderful woman in the Bible, is Rebecca. Okay. Take yourself back about 4,000 years ago. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus. 3,000 years ago, King David. 4,000 years ago, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Okay. Rebecca was the daughter of a man named Bethuel. You can read about her in Genesis chapter 24. And she became the wife of Isaac. Isaac is the, is the typification of Jesus. Isaac is a type and a shadow of Jesus. In the picture that God continues to paint, line upon line and overlaying picture with picture throughout the word, Abraham would be a picture of God. Isaac would be a picture of his only son. And, 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 and going through the sacrifice up on Mount Calvary uh, is, is a picture of what God would do with his son as, as Isaac carried the wood up uh, up, up the hill, the very same hill that Jesus would also be challenged to carry his cross up that same hill. And, you know, uh, this, this is a picture of, of Jesus marrying someone, okay? He married a woman named Rebecca. So Rebecca must have some similarities in her world to what we, the church, should be and embrace. Genesis chapter 24. In verse 19, the Bible tells us that Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac, his son. It's the same thing that God has done in sending forth the Holy Spirit into the earth to find a wife, a bride, a church, for his son. And Abraham told his servant, he made his servant swear that he would not take a woman from Canaan or from any of the lands that were considered to be worldly lands. And that's the same thing that the Holy Spirit has been charged with. 
not to get a bride from the world, but to choose a bride of born again, you know, believers in Jesus Christ. The servant ask Almighty God in prayer, show me the woman that you have chosen for Abraham's son Isaac. And he put a very almost impossible charge before the Lord. He said, let it be the young woman who comes to draw water that is willing not only to give me a drink. Let's read. But willing to do more. In Genesis chapter 24 and verse 19, the Bible says, and when Rebekah had finished giving Abraham's servant a drink, she said, I will draw waters for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Now, if you know the story, it's, uh, it's, it's like an impossible dream coming true. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, please read it. The Bible, the Bible is filled with so many wonderful accounts of how God interacted with men, how God proved himself over and over. And in this particular account, this servant simply said, listen, let it be not only the woman that says, okay, I'll give you a drink, but let her say that I will draw for your camels until they have finished drinking. And here she does more than is even asked. Here this young lady stops and goes out of her way to give this stranger a drink, but not only out of her way to give him a drink, she goes out of her way to give his camels, you know, water until they finish drinking. And if we studied the story, we would realize that perhaps she had to draw maybe for two or three hours of hard work running, drawing and running and dumping in a trough and coming back and drawing and running and dumping in a trough and coming back. And it looked like she did it joyfully and willingly because here she volunteers. And this represents a hard working, willing worker, willing to get her hands dirty, willing to help strangers, willing to work harder than anyone else around her. You see, God has designed women with this willingness to do more. You know what I did whenever I got finished eating tonight at home? Guess what I did? I got up and went back into the back room. I sat down in an easy chair. Guess what Brenda did? Anybody want to guess? Huh? She cleaned up. Yeah, she cleaned up. I guess she cleaned up. It was clean when I came out. I don't know. It's just a miracle. Let me tell you the real miracle. Let me tell you the real miracle. I have been married for 46 years, I guess. Okay, I think soon. January would be 46 years. Do you know I have never one time in 46 years went to my underwear drawer and not had clean underwear? In 46 years. It is a miracle. I don't know what happened, but there is a miracle taking place in my life. It's a miracle. Hello? Let me tell you, uh, the attributes that God placed in the hearts of women that have such grace 
in one area or another. You might say, well, that's not, that's not happening in my world. But, hey, you know, there are other, other things, no doubt, that are similar. But it's important that we understand that God has placed some strength in women. And my hope and my desire uh, tonight is to be able to somehow um, encourage and inspire and challenge us to not only think more highly, but also to make more room and to be more appreciative as well as, uh, as, as, as people, as men and women both, because it's not just men in America that have, uh, uh, that, that, that have uh, at many times held women back. It's also women. You know, uh, let me tell you, it's, it's, it's important that we raise our estimation and raise our hope and raise our, our willingness to endorse and to accept. The Word of God is filled with women like Rebecca, hard-working, willing to get their hands dirty, helping strangers, doing more than often, more than their share. You know, I, I do not know what I would do in my world were it not for the women who do most of the work in our church. Men, I'm, I'm, you know, it's true. You know it's true? It's true. It's a reality. Something, uh, something miraculous takes place in the life of a woman when she commits to something. When she gives it her heart, it, uh, it's amazing. And I think it needs to be understood. And what I'm hoping to do is to, um, let me just say it out front, okay? Understand me. Okay? I think many times when women exert their opinion, uh, get angry at something that, if a man got angry at it, it'd be okay. But if a woman gets angry at it, it's looked at a little different. Aggressive, assertive, hello. That for sometimes, please don't look at me like I'm strange because you know what I'm talking about. Because, uh, and, and, and I'm not talking about it in its wrong place. I'm talking about, I would love to see an opportunity for women to take a deep breath and stand up and be able to speak their mind without them being relegated to some second-class opinion. Okay. I have daughters and granddaughters. I have friends that I'm hoping that would be appreciated for the strength that God has given them to bring to the equation of life. I don't take away from men a positional authority and respect that God has given them. I believe that in families, husbands and wives, that the husband is the head of the household. But just because the husband is the head doesn't mean the wife is the tail. Well, that's pretty good. I just made that up. <laughs> Hello. That's, that's the reality. I believe that men taken from the ground, have been given a responsibility to work the ground and to eat from the ground and to feed from the ground and to strengthen the ground. But women were taken from the heart of man. 
And I believe that women have a God-given place to, to feed from the heart of man, to strengthen the heart of man and to work the heart of man. I believe that women have a responsibility to strengthen and support. That's what God said he made the woman as a helpmeet, to strengthen. And I believe that strength needs to be appreciated. As the earth will not yield its, its, its best without man working it, neither will man yield its best without that strength that a mother, that a, 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 a wife, that uh, daughters, counselors, friends, supporters, can yield. Jesus did not run his ministry without women. Women was the, a woman was the very first person he called to be an evangelist. Mary in the garden, he sent her with the first word, go and tell the good news. It was his, you know, first appearing. Why? Because those women, not those men, those men were locked up in a room. It was those women who went out to minister to the body of Christ. They went out early in the morning because they were going to uh, prepare his body for proper burial because it had been buried quickly by two men. Hello? So the women were going out to make it right. Where were those two men? Nowhere. Women were going out to fix and clean up the mess the men had made. That's the reality of it. The men had done something short-term, quickly. The women were going to take care of it so that it would be completely taken care of forever. These are things we need to recognize. These are things we need to embrace and realize. Just like the next woman we'll talk about, J.L., we were at 2000 BC with Abraham, okay? It will go about 700 years closer to us, about 1300 BC, somewhere on that line, about 300 years before King David. There was a woman named Jael. Jael is the wife of a man named Heber who was a Kenite. What does that mean? Well, uh, they were not Jews, but they lived in Israel. They were not Philistines, they were not uh, Canaanites. But they lived in the land of Israel. Why? Because they had come with Moses. Moses had married a woman in the desert. And this woman, her family, sent another family with them. And they came into the land with Joshua. And they lived in that land. It was basically the descendants of Moses' brother-in-law. And this family, his name was Heber. H-E-B-E-R. He had a wife named Jael, and they lived in a tent. And they had a lot of sheep, and they had a lot of uh, 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 cattle, camels or whatever that were, and goats. And, 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 and they, they were nomadic. And they lived in the valley of Jezreel between Mount Tabor and farther north uh, through, through the land of Mount, uh, by, by Mount Carmel and on up through the land north to where now you might find Haifa and a little bit farther east. And they would move up and down that land and, and, and feed. And so they were friends with a lot of different people. They were friends with the Israelites, with the, with the Hebrew children that had come into the land. And they were also friends with the Canaanites. 
And there was a king of, of Canaanites called Jabin. And Jabin was, was, was fierce and he was angry. And he had been, uh, you know, uh, 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 attacking the children of Israel for 20 years. The Bible says he was horrible to them and mean to them. He had a captain of his army named Sisera. And Sisera would go out. He had 900 chariots of iron. And he would drive those iron chariots. And he would just raid the children of Israel. And for 20 years, he was stealing from them and robbing from them and killing them and, and burdening them and and it was horrible and all of this time here Jael and her family her husband Eber and their family they sat in the middle of this they weren't on either side and so they would see the, the the Israelites come by and they would see the Canaanites come by and they weren't bothered by either one of them because they had they, they had ties to both of them and so they weren't a threat they were kind of neutral well one day, God decided he had had enough of this King Jabin terrorizing his children. And so he calls a prophetess named Deborah, and he puts her on Mount Tabor, and he says, you know, call the captain of the army named Balak and bring him to you. And I want him to gather 10,000 men from all the Galilee. And I want him to make war against the king. And, and I, I'll make sure the king hears that, that, that the war is, is, you know, that, that, that war is being threatened. And he'll bring his army down with Sisera and, 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 and you can destroy him. And, and Balak will win. And so Deborah tells Balak all about this. And Balak gathers 10,000 men up on Mount Tabor. But Balak said to the prophetess Deborah, I do not want to go out to war unless you're going to go with me. And she said, what do you mean? Here you have 10,000 men and here you have an army and you're all warriors and, and you're all ready to go to war and, and God is with you, but you won't go unless a woman goes with you? He said, that's right. You know, a lot of guys are the same way. They don't have their permission of their wife. They're not going to buy a boat. Oh, let me, let me get back off that. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty funny. Reality strikes again. Okay. So she said, what a shame. What a shame that you're not going to go to war unless a, unless a woman goes with you. I tell you what God's going to do. God is going to deliver the children of Israel by the hand of a woman today. Now, okay, I'll go with you. And so they went. And, and uh, what happened was J.L.'s husband was used by God to be gone and evidently informed the king of which he was friends with that there was an army gathered at Mount Tabor, an army of Israelites. <clears throat> so the king sent Sisera and his 900 chariots riding down to, to, to Mount Tabor to fight. And they fought in the valley of Jezreel. And I mean Balak, the, the, the captain of the host of Israel, began to win the war. And they began to chase all of these Canaanites. And they chased him and chased him and chased him. And they chased him way up north, about another 50 miles north. And, and I mean, they were really whooping them. Well, Sisera, who was the captain of the Canaanite army. Sisera was afraid that he was going to get killed and he was really, really tired. And so he bailed out. 
And when he bailed out and hid himself and the armies passed by, he crawled up and he recognized the tent. That is the tent of one of our friends, Heber. So when he starts to approach the tent, the man of the house wasn't there, but Jael was there. And Jael went and looked and she saw and she recognized him. No doubt he had been, you know, a guest in their home many times. She recognized this is the captain of the host of the armies. Mm-hmm, she said, come in, come on in. And so he comes into the tent. Now, first of all, you know, that's against that culture and custom of that day that she's going to invite a, a, a man into her house when her husband's not there. So she's already stretching herself. What she's doing, she's making some independent decisions. You know, husband in there, and so I guess I'm going to have to make my own decisions, and I'm going to do my very best because I have a feeling that this thing is supposed to go a certain way. I got a plan, and I'm going to help, and I feel, oh, I, 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 I can feel her now. She's going, oh, yeah, I got this. And so he comes in. He said, listen, listen, don't you tell anyone that I am here. If anybody comes by and asks if I'm here, you tell them that you haven't seen me. You hide me. You understand? People are trying to kill me. And so he goes into the tent. And in Judges 5 and verse 25, the Bible says he asked for water. But she didn't give him water. She gave him milk. You can read about it in chapter 4 and chapter 5. It tells the same story. Chapter 4 is the written account. Chapter 5 is a song about it called Deborah's Song. She sings it. We're reading the song portion of, 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 of the prose and the narrative that has happened in chapter 4. Then chapter 5 is a song. It's, it, it's, it's both the same story. In chapter 4, it tells us that when he asked for some water, she went and got a jug of milk instead. And she gave him milk. Chapter 5 describes it a little more. She gave him the cream in a lordly bowl. You know, she got him a really ornate, nice bowl of cream with all that fat, you know, all that warm milk. What is it about warm milk, cream that, you know, I mean, what do you, what do you do for babies when you want to calm them down? Or what do people do? You know, I mean, you turn on a movie from the fifties and sixties and people are at nighttime, Ozzy and Harriet, what do they have sitting beside their bed before they go to bed at night? Oh, glass of warm milk. Yeah. Whole milk too. You know, I mean, just, oh, just let it, oh yeah. Well, she just got the cream off that warm cream off that milk. He asked for water. He wanted to be refreshed. She wanted him to go to sleep. What he wanted and what she wanted were two different things, only she didn't let on that she was smarter than him. She didn't let on that she had a plan that he didn't understand. She didn't let on that she was the one in control he thought he was. Chapter 4 and chapter 5 tell us, he asked for water. She gave him milk. <laughs> That's something wonderful, you know, and something we need to respect. It's something you need to watch out for. You may not be getting what you're asking for, okay? <laughs> now, there may be another plan going on here. And, and, and she gave him milk, the cream of the milk, in a bowl that he would not refuse. He drank it, chapter 4 tells us. And he laid down. And she covered him up, told him, lay here. 
And she covered him up with a warm blanket, no doubt, and a little darkness and a little cream in his tongue. And he was so tired from fighting all day and riding all day. And so wouldn't you know it, he goes to sleep. That's all she needed. All she needed was just a chance. And the Bible says she went and her hand took hold of a tent peg. Now, a tent peg in those days was about this long, okay? And it's shaped like a cone, all right? They just whittled it down. Who whittles the tent pegs? Well, she did. Why? Because a tent equals a home. And, of course, we know that women are homemakers. That's what she was. She was a homemaker. It was her tent peg. She put her hand on something that she was familiar with. And she got a hammer. Whose hammer? It was her hammer. Why? Because homemaking meant in that day with nomadic people, as it is today, if you go there and look at them, it's the women out there doing the homemaking. The men are out there in the, in, in the fields and the women are stretching the cords on the tents because the wind blow and flap it all day long and, 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 and the ropes get loose and everything. And the women go out and pull up the stake and pull the stake back and boom, boom, and drive that stake back in the ground. Let me tell you something. Jail had been practicing all of her life for this moment. And that's the wonderful, amazing part of women. They, they practice all of their life for the thing that God has given them, their greatest thing. You know, when she gave him the milk, covered him up, she, you know, I can imagine she might have just said, go ahead and moan a little bit if it feels better. You know, go to sleep. You know, maybe she hummed a little bit. I don't know. But anyway, she had a plan. And the Bible says she took that tent peg and she put it right where his temple was. And with one blow, drove it through his head and drove the tent peg into the ground and killed him with one blow. Defeating the armies the king. Deliverance was brought to the children of Israel that day from 20 years of bondage to this rogue king because one woman, she had a plan. She seized her opportunity and she destroyed her enemies. She did something that I believe no man could have done. Somehow I just don't get that picture in my head of some man saying, come on in, come on in, lay down right here, let me cover you up, here's some warm milk to drink, you know. I just don't get that picture. Women are so non-threatening in their world of wonderfulness and yet so powerful. The reason why J.L. was able to do what she did is because she was a great woman. She was great in her ordinary. No doubt she had practiced every day driving that tent peg in the ground. Day in and day out, not realizing that she was training for her greatest day. Not realizing that being great in her normal, being great in her ordinary, being great in the humdrum every day, day in and day out duties of life prepares every one of us for extraordinary opportunities. You'll never be extraordinary if you can't be ordinary first.
You'll never qualify for extraordinary opportunities if you can't handle the ordinary life. You see, Almighty God has given every one of us an opportunity to be great, to do the work that only we can do. But it requires us to be like Rebecca, hardworking and willing to get our hands dirty, willing to even help strangers, willing to go the extra mile, willing to seize our opportunity and willing to stand up against our enemies, even if you're a woman. I have three more women that we won't get to tonight. But suffice it to say that uh, I could probably go on and on and on forever about the women that God has chosen to include in the Word. Let me encourage you as an individual, whether you're a male or female here tonight, let me encourage you to open up your heart and stop imagining and fight and refute every voice of the enemy that would make you want to relegate women to second-class citizens to less than what God had created mankind to be. Let me encourage you to accept and respect, to embrace the wonderful world of women. Because I believe that just as God has said, Eve was the mother of all living. I believe that God Almighty has designed deliverance, strength, support to come from the females who have been given a challenge by God, an extra duty, and that is to put up with us guys. May God give you grace. And please, open up your hearts. Don't be a part of what the world would like to do in destroying the image and the strength of women. <laughs>